We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Pod Maverick After Dark. You are joined by Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. We are editors over at Mavs Moneyball. It is 9.47 on Valentine's Day. The Dallas Mavericks just beat the pants off the um, San Antonio Spurs 116-93. to Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. I got an air mattress behind me in my office. Um, it's a lovely background visual for any of, any of y'all that are uh, checking out the podcast visually. Very professional, um, but I'm doing good. You know, hey, real life is real life. Uh, the All-Star break is here. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. And so that's going to probably reflect in what we're talking about tonight. Oh, that That's really it. I mean, the Mavericks have now won six straight. Uh, the longest win streak in the NBA, along with their uh, longest win streak of the season, which is really something. And... Huh, this game was a was a weird one. You know, the the Spurs tend to come out swinging and firing against the Mavericks, and you know, Victor Wembanyama, uh, rookie, you know, Rookie of the Year candidate, came out early and really just sort of uh, along with um, Sohan, Jeremy Sohan, really made life difficult for the Mavericks. Uh, they, they scored thirty two points in the first quarter. Looked like the Mavericks defense from yesteryear um second quarter kind of much of the same Luca looked a little lifeless to be quite candid uh at times which you know it's the game before all-star break I wasn't entirely surprised by that uh the third you know the the game kind of rounded into form at the end of the second quarter Kyrie Irving uh in particular really took over this was this was a, a a Kyrie Irving game for the books uh just a really just riotously funny performance 15 of 22 shooting 34 points did not get to the free throw line. Uh, wow. Also had also had nine rebounds and seven assists and a pair of steals and Peak a couple. Perry. I mean, he had a move over 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 a Victor Wembanyama that's going to get played for the rest of the year. It yeah. was so crazy, and he was just really in his bag uh, in terms of the ball, just feeling like it was a part of him as you watch him dribble. And so that was pretty nice, which then, you know, allowed kind of Luca to kick things off a little bit more on offense. The defense for the whole team in the in the the second part of the second quarter into the third quarter was really, really, really good. Uh it, it's like the, the the turnaround for this game at one point the Spurs led by as many as 15. The Mavericks led by as many as 29. For those of you who are a little bit math inclined, as I am upon occasion, that is a 44-point swing. Like, that's hard to do in an NBA game, though the Dallas Mavericks have been on the other end of it having given up something like that. And so I'm, I'm sure some of you guys are wondering why in the heck Josh and I started, you know, but 
almost half an hour early. Well, it's because this game was done. Like they were, <laughs> this yeah. game ended in, in a tight two hours. That does not happen. That does not happen. So, you know, there were, there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I've kind of been rambling just because I wanted to recap kind of the game for everybody, but this game was over with like 15 or, you know, less than five minutes into the third quarter. It was great. Yeah. It was like, so it was almost like the Washington game a couple of days ago, except this, the Mavericks didn't realize kind of who they were playing at the Washington game until it felt like the fourth quarter was when both teams kind of showed their true colors and the Mavericks pulled away and won with a dominant fourth. This time it didn't, it, it just took till the second quarter. It was just one quarter it took. And then it felt like, and then it was, these teams started looking like the teams that they are. Cause it, it, not to take away anything from the win, you know, the Mavericks need to stack wins any way they can and beating bad teams is something they didn't do last year, but it's hard to emphasize enough that like the wizards and the spurs, like the Wizards, Spurs, Trailblazers, Hornets, and Pistons are not only like the five worst teams in the NBA, they would all be contenders for the worst team in the league at any point in like the last five years. And they're all they're all having the they're all in one season. So um which is wild because there's not anybody worth tanking for. No, it's all really bad teams. It's supposed to be one of the worst drafts in a while. And that's why, like, you look at the Western Conference and you just like oh my God, look at all these teams. Like, look at all these win totals. It's like, what's happening? It's like, yeah, because there's basically five teams that give you a guaranteed Everybody's win. Everybody's still trying. Yeah. 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 So like those five teams uh, are giving you like almost automatic wins. Of course, it's not automatic. Those, yeah. those teams have won a couple games. But but yeah, you know, they expended a lot of physical and I think emotional energy in that Thunder game. Like they're riding high off the trade deadline. To go from that to be like, oh, now you have to play these two Stinko teams. You're at home. Like, you're not traveling, so you're comfortable, and your vacations are coming up. The one vacation you get, you know, in season is happening in a couple days. Like, human nature is, wow, like, okay, let's just, I'm I'm ready to, to, to go to the beach or or whatever. I mean, I know I do that at my job when I'm a couple of days away from, from PTO and, uh, and there's not much on my plate. <laughs> so I'm not like, you know, I'm sure that there were some some Mavs fans that were pretty concerned about the efforts to start this game and start the Washington game. But like people have to understand over the course of an 82 game season, all teams do look like this against bad teams. Occasionally you just start yep. out slow because you're not juiced up to play one of the best teams in the league. It's just kind of human nature. What matters is do you take care of business by the end of it? And that's what they did. And they definitively won this game. So, you know, no harm, no foul, really. Yeah. In my book. Like you just what? you just gotta get to the all-star break at this point. Like you just I gotta- think <laughs> I I think if one of our complaints about Kyrie Irving this year has been that there are times when he simply won't take control when the Mavericks yeah. need some juice. And that was what he did tonight in a big, mm-hmm. big way. And you see obviously see it reflected in the stat line, but like his energy is is a little bit more palpable and 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 translates to other players differently than when Luca is cooking because it's so much faster. He's attacking in transition. He's doing little he he's doing things in the lane that are a little more just frankly, I don't want to just for a guy of his size, like again, he the layup that he took over Wemby, if he's six, you know, I know he's listed as six three. I think he's about six one. If he's 6'1 and Wemby 7'4, that is a 15 inch difference in a play in, in players. Like, and that's just incredible, not to mention arm length. And so some of the some of the shots he was getting off were really incredible. Um, and that that really seemed to spur a lot of their um, you know, a lot of their defensive efforts, which is nice. Um, and I, I just I had a nice time kind of, you know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I, I watched this game all that specifically i really spent a significant portion of the fourth quarter on instagram um <laughs> just kind of one of those games and you know you, you look through the box score obviously um you know one of the kind of more interesting minutia based things was was daniel gafford uh getting the start over lively who had a minutes restriction don't know what that minutes restriction was because i'll be able to play eight minutes um the plus minus is pretty funny in this game where gafford was clearly in there early when the mavericks were getting their butts kicked 
Um, but he still ended up with a plus two, but at one point it was, it was pretty deep, but that's, you know, like plus minus is not a great individual stat. It's just like game to game stuff. I think sometimes we use it to make a point, but sometimes that point can be, um, as my friend Blake on Twitter noted, it's like, sometimes that point is, is not correct. Uh, and Gafford ended up having a really nice game statistically, um, grabbed 10 rebounds, 10 points. That's just, that's fantastic. It's like the starting center. When you throw a lively number in there the starting center position for the dallas mavericks had 15 points and 18 rebounds to go along with four blocks like you you take that you're you're thrilled by it and and that's what i think mavericks fans have to look look forward to is as as the season goes on into the second not really the second part but like kind of the last third of the year yeah i'm i'm really curious to see what they do coming out of all-star break um because presumably lively will be I would hope that he would be closer to off that minutes restriction and maybe closer to full strength. I have not broken my nose, so I cannot attest to what he's going through. Or... How many broken noses does this team they, have? I think they lead the league. <laughs> That's some advanced data. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious to see, you know, I, I wouldn't think Gafford would, would start. Like it would be really weird for Lively to kind of like lose his job while he was hurt because uh-huh. I mean, he was really, like right. he was really one of the only yeah he was really things like, together <laughs> yeah it's not like yeah, yeah he was one of the few good things that were going when this team was you know 26 and 23 you know basically like a week ago and we you know there was concerns about this the bottom falling out again uh he's been he's been as steady as as Luca or Kyrie have been when he's been healthy so I can't imagine you know and he does some things that I think are better than than Gaffer that makes sense in the starting lineup and really whatever they decide to do it, it is just nice to see like having those two kind of form like a Voltron, just having the, that across a 48 minute game, being able to go to those options. And yep. Dwight Powell only played three minutes and I, I don't think Maxi Kleba played tonight. So uh, the fact that you're able to get by with, with no Maxi and Dwight not having to play really at all. Uh, and you're still able to win comfortably and get the production you need out of a, out of your big men position. I mean, that's kind of a luxury the Mavericks haven't had in, what, what what would you say since 2011 time memorial Tyson and Brendan Haywood so yeah that's nice uh I think Lively's defensive activity and even as a 20 year old I think he's a better defender um, than Gafford uh despite maybe the shot blocking numbers whatever they say they are but he, but you know that's not a knock against Gafford if he's coming off the bench he's going to be a really productive uh, backup bench pick so that was good to see and really I think the main point of these games is win streak. And I go, I know, you know, none of, you know, really only the OKC game was against a really quality opponent, but there's a couple nice little trends. One, the Mavericks have basically won three straight games without lighting it up from three. Um, yep. They were 15 of 38 against OKC, which is good percentage, but in 15 threes is, is a decent amount, but it's not like, like a crazy outlier, like like scorch, scorching hot game. Um, and then their last two games, 25%, 36% from three. Like, yeah. this just didn't happen. Like, this, it doesn't matter who the opponent was. If the Mavericks were shooting 25% from three or, or 36%, they were losing to whoever they played last season or even the season before that. Like, they just could not win games without making threes. So, I think that's a – I mean – who knows what it looks like when the schedule turns up and they come out of the all-star break and they play some better teams. But I, mean, I, I feel like that's something that they might be able to build upon uh, now that yeah. it's happened a couple of games in a row. I think that's right. Also something to kind of pay attention to too is percentage of three pointers as part of their yeah. shot diet. It's not just the percentage made. It's also the percentage of shots taken. And tonight, I mean, they, only, they took 30 of 84. Um, they've, they've kind of treat, they've, they've treaded close to 45 to 50%. I believe I'm, you know, could be totally wrong here, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested in that one. Um, all right. Give me just a second here, Josh. So those of you who are in the stream, welcome, welcome, please consider going and liking the show while you're uh, in here. I would very much appreciate that. Uh, while you're down there, if you consider subscribing to the show, Josh and I are a mere 40 subs away from 2,500, uh, might not seem like a big deal, but we've only been doing this since April, which uh, last April was a really stupid time to start a Dallas Mavericks YouTube show when the team <laughs> was utterly garbage. But those of you who've been following our show for a while know that Josh and I have had some interesting situations with this uh, podcast over the last year. Uh, well, as everybody knows, I try to host as many of these post game secondary post game shows where you guys can 
many uh, as possible. I don't think I'm going to do one tonight. I'm a little looking forward to um, to getting ahead on uh, a little bit of my own all-star rest, but my wife and I are actually sleep training um, the, the baby. So there's, uh, I woke up four times between midnight. Oh uh, yeah. It's like the baby is sleeping great. And then it's like, we're going to start sleep training for real and like following some, and then it just went to crap, but no one cares about my problems. Um, those of you who are listening on audio streams, if you would do me a favor and consider, uh, leaving a review, um, and leaving a, uh, you know, comment, those sorts of things on all those applications would be very great for this. Those of you who are watching the video a little bit later, uh, consider liking this, uh, the show and going ahead and leaving a comment. Really love reading some of these comments. Some of them are absolutely hysterical. Um, one last note before I cut to some ads. Our overseas listeners are letting me know that they're actually not getting ads. I appreciate those of you who are reaching out to me on this. I think that has something to do with the distribution platforms where people overseas are probably not getting the ads because they're American-targeted ads. Uh, that would be my assumption, by the way. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to me spew for a few minutes. Josh and I will be back after a very short break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, that always uh, takes longer than I intended it to, but um, I can't help myself. So I wanted to read you something from Brad Townsend. <laughs> that was yesterday morning that just, it, it sort of ruined my morning. Maxi Kleba's play and activity level has been much improved the past two weeks. After last night's game, he said he dislocated his pinky toe previously, and it popped out four times, causing him to miss 35 games of a 36-game stretch. He now inserts a metal plate in his toe or in his shoe to stabilize his toe. My God, how gross is that? <laughs> Cyborg Maxi. We were I all feel wondering... a little bad now for being like, what the fuck? <laughs> we're all I'm... wondering what kind of HGH was in his system. It's not that. He's he's a robot now. He has yeah. become machine, metal in a machine. Uh, I'll take it. I'll ta- and I'm pretty sure he's out tonight for a broken nose. Like it, it said toe recovery <laughs> on the injury report, but it also said broken nose. Good so. Lord. Yeah. They're a match unit sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know where you wanted to go uh, right out of the break here, but I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watched a little bit better than I did. Sure. Um, PJ Washington. Uh, interesting game. Just from bad, bad statistical game, but I don't right. care about that. He, right. He was, like, can he you talk dog. about, yeah. Can you talk about what you saw from him that, you know, he played that it's just interesting that the Mavericks have a guy uh, that can do some of the things that he was doing on the floor tonight. 
Well, he was he was a dog on defense. Um, when you're guarding Victor Wembanyama, there's only a certain number of things you could do. Like Luca was getting visibly frustrated at how Wembanyama was being guarded, which was absolutely hilarious. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of from a comparison point of view. Um, but you know, I thought he did a good job, kind of digging into um, Wemby's height. Wemby really doesn't. I'm very confused by Wemby. He's an incredible basketball player, but he just like like every seven foot guy who can dribble, he just wants to play outside. He is not interested. Like if that dude would just go st- like catch the ball at 10 feet and turn and shoot, uh, he would have, he would have crushed the Mavericks. And I think he did for a little bit, but I really like the way that, that PJ was on him. He's just a, a very disruptive defender. Um, I don't necessarily know if he's a good defender, but he's fun and he's different than what they've had. And that is going to buy Dallas some time. Um, I think the offense is already starting to freak out Mavs fans because his shot just looks busted. Um, but I, I think the you know what you've talked about for two shows in a row, his ability to dribble is going to matter. I'm start. I, I will wonder what will happen during the playoffs. Like he's gotta he's gotta make a respectable percentage. Like one of six is a little bit frustrating, but I just I, I like his motion. I like what he does. His passing was real nice. He had a nice dump off to uh, Derek Lively in the third quarter that resulted in a dunk. There's just enough there to where he's gonna make he. he I do. I, I make the same. I'm Bill Simmons. I make the same references over and over. <laughs> I think with some of these lineups with Kyrie and Luca, he could be kind of the third heat um, uh, in the trivection oven that Jack Donaghy describes because that ball handling really does matter. It really, really does matter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's awesome to have a player that has some defensive versatility that he's been showing in the last couple of games. And that was the thing, like when the trade happened, is. Most people, you know, from what I've watched, and I'm, you know, admittedly, I'm not here. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not sitting here grinding hours and hours and hours of PJ Washington tape, or I've, I haven't watched a ton of Hornets games. But from what I've watched and what I kind of looked at after the trade, is, and this is, you know, not a, uh, not a unique thought. You know, a lot of a lot of other observers have noted this is he has the tools to, to be an impact defender. And the biggest thing in Charlotte was is just consistency and effort. It wasn't that he couldn't play good defense. It's just that he consistently wasn't. Uh, and when you're in a bad situation, like he was with the Hornets for so long, it's like how much of that motivation and effort is coming because of something personal to him that he needs to change and how much of it is the team situation. So that was always going to be the thing. Like when he gets to Dallas is he cannot play with the same kind of effort level and disposition that he did in Charlotte. Like it has to be better. Um, and I think that's, that's shown so far for three games. We'll see how long it lasts, but I, I think his defensive intensity and his effort has been pretty good. And yeah, the shot is a little concerning and I understand that, you know, offense is probably the first thing that a lot of people look at that jumps off the page when you're looking at a box score. So I get being worried about it. The shooting, like I said, doesn't really, concern me all that too much as long you know as long as he's got the pump and go and close out drive and attack game but there's a limit to that like he has to he cannot be like a 30 percent shooter from no like he has he has to be like near 34 near 35 which again isn't like you're not you're not uh you're not blistering the league with that number but that's good enough for what he would do elsewhere on the court but oh. he just needs to get that number up just a little bit more. He just can't be a guy that's over or one for in, in these games, uh, which, you know, it's been three games, so we'll see. Uh, but the, the defensive tools, I mean, they've always been there. So it's good to see him kind of, you know, that's the hope when you move environments like this is it can recharge a guy. And I think that's him so far, at least on the defensive end. Yep. And what was also nice to see is that the Mavericks continue to look for him. Yeah. Um, you know, 20, 26 minutes, one for six from the floor, six rebounds, two assists, one block. One turnover. I always keep an eye. Like I'm kind of keeping an eye more and more on on guys who don't handle the balls turnovers because it's mm-hmm. that's just like an area where we bitched about Grant Williams. We got to be fair about everybody else. Um, you know, the Mavericks as a whole had only had 13 turnovers. This was like a low turnover game for both teams, relatively speaking, and then a low foul game for both teams. That's 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 another reason why the game kind of flew along, like I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh hello. 
God, I hate this ESPN auto ad play stuff. It just like blares <laughs> in my headphones when I'm looking at something on the screen. Um, you know, this this game is is worth kind of talking about big picture. I also think it's sort of worth looking back to see, um, you know, what we had been talking about in the previous, you know, games and weeks. If if you know, I was very very testy with the Dallas Mavericks during their um, during the Bucks recap. I'm going to see if I can find that one. Um, and and but in the meantime, I want to because I want to circle back. I think to like how the Mavericks finish, but I wanted to pivot slightly because the past two days have had some back and forth. Some I will just say that like we as Mavs fans quite correctly are already getting like pre defensive about all things Luca. Um, just because like the the discussion, you know, Joel Embiid's out for the year, you know, more or less, and so the the MVP discussion has changed a little bit and it always feels like that ESPN is looking for one reason or another to say why the Mavericks aren't it. You know, first it was, it was about how this trade is too much gambling for the future. Um, and then there was like this, this, the cryon was bad, meaning like the headlines on the bottom of the screen. Um, but the actual discussion on ESPN about Luca and guys was more about like, why don't these players want to play with Luca? Uh, meaning specifically, um, uh, Big big old loser Spencer Dinwiddie and big old loser Kyle Kuzma. And the the kind of takeaway from that for me um is is that Luca is you know just gonna kind of continue to have an uphill battle. But there was one of my Twitter followers, um, I'm pretty sure you follow or he follows you and me both. Um Matt Nine had a really fantastic tweet that just puts kind of the MVP conversation in a different context and i wanted to talk about it um he said miss total missed games by each starter on mvp candidate teams uh Jokic, he has murray kcp uh mpj and gordon 25 missed games between those four other players uh shea gillius alexander has uh one of the one of the jalen williams uh josh giddy chet lou dort total of nine missed games this season between those four players uh Giannis Antetokounmpo has dame michael beasley chris middleton and brooke lopez total of 22 missed games between those players luka Doncic, and this is the the what jason kidd said was the starting five now it's probably changed but let's just look at it going into this year. Kyrie Irving, 22 games. Uh, Dante Exum, 22 games. Derek Jones Jr., five games. Derek Lively has missed 18 games. 67 missed games. Almost three times as many as the next closest option. And that just changes the calculus of what we're talking about here. Luca's not going to be on a top three team if most of his team is missing games with him. That gets held against Luca, though, despite Luca continuing to show up and put push put up numbers. I don't think he's the MVP. I'm just going to be candid here, but I do think he's being downplayed in a way that's fairly frustrating to me from an, from a from a, a, a you know media member point of view, but also a Mavs fan point of view. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how much of this do you think. Like Luca was so good so soon. Mm-hmm. And he's he's basically, I mean, his production is higher than it's ever been this season, but it's not like crazy far off from basically his second season. Like mm-hmm. he's obviously scoring, he's scoring like six more points per game this season, which is which is kind of nuts when you can when you're averaging 20. Actually ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But but in terms of like, you know, he's been a first team all NBA player well since his second season. And it hasn't changed. He's been first team all NBA every season since his he's second gonna, season. He's gonna be at this. He's year gonna too. be it again. Yeah. So do you think that any of this is just like he just keeps doing it and he's still so young that the novelty has kind of worn off because I'm talking again, I'm not talking like Mavs fans. I'm talking like how he gets discussed in the, in the mainstream media narrative. Do you think it's because the novelty has worn off a little bit? He's not the fun, shiny new toy because he's been doing this now for basically five years, really, or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he, his expectation level has changed. It's changed how people view like the baseline of what his performance can be. And also like, isn't the way that the stuff goes in the NBA is like, you always 
like everyone always turns out to be the villain. Like James Harden was not like known as this like hated guy when he was like on the thunder. Like people love, like I remember like there was everyone loved James Harden. Like it wasn't like this thing where there was like this passionate group of NBA fans or NBA media that just despised him. I mean, not more in the sense of like how he played and foul baiting and that's like, he was such an incredible free throw drawer to where it felt like he was breaking the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say like, he didn't, you know, he's requested trades. Obviously that stuff hurts, but it just feels like the cycle for these NBA stars goes from when they're in their first year or two, it's like, Oh, look at this how precious, how new. And then it's like, okay, well, we've already talked about you for two or three years. We're talking about mm. the next guy, unless you're like LeBron or, or, or Giannis. When you I mean, reach there, was that earnest, level. there was an earnest push for um, Anthony Edwards, who is on, you know, the number one seed, but you just scroll through Anthony Edwards box scores. And he has nights where he has like 14 points and, and seven rebounds. And like, like Luca can't do that. Does that first quarter. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> It's just, yeah, I just, there's something about it where I almost wonder if he's, he's just been so good so early that, I don't know, people just don't seem as, as one, like amazed by it. I don't know. I I don't know. People don't need to be amazed. I mean, people can have the, whatever opinions they want. Sure. And at the end of the day, national media is kind of funny the way it's talked about, because like when we were growing up and when we were in high school, I felt like what the national media was saying about your team as a fan uh, mattered more because there just simply wasn't as many outlets to go through. Like nowadays, you could get whatever coverage of whatever team you want. Yep. You want wipe Look your bottom, us. feed you a bottle, and and tell you that your team can't do any wrong. You can get that. You, can you find want that. your team sucks every single night. Doesn't matter what they do. They're the worst team ever. There's an avenue that someone's providing that to. Do you want something in the middle? Sure. Like the national media, like it creates these narratives, but in terms of as a fan, like that stuff is just becoming more and more like white noise to me because like, just look at our own Mavericks community. Like there's, there's locked on Mavs. There's, um, Oh yeah. We talk Mavs, Bibbs's podcast. There's dozens. There's yeah. yeah. SJ's podcast. Uh, you know, is talks writing on D magazine, like Dalton with Dallas basketball. Like there's so much like GK. Yeah, or see a kid. There's so many yeah. good people doing good stuff that it's like that that fill and we all fill like, a lot of like, voids. Yeah, yeah, and it's we all feel like kind of what everyone would want out of team coverage. That it's like, who cares if Brian Windhorst says something stupid on on an ESPN show? Like that's kind of where I'm starting to get. But I also understand because what they say, they still have some swing, and it kind of creates this negative feedback loop. But like to me, I'm just kind of like over this kind of conversation about what the national media says, because quite frankly, like teams have better local coverage than like at any point in NBA history. I feel like, like, dude, I wish there were this many options when I was, when I was 12 or 13 and I was watching Mavericks. Like my options were the local newspaper or sports center. Like that's kind of what it felt like back then. So, well, I, I think, I mean, this is, this is a really big picture take, but like the LeBronification of everything, has broken a lot of the way that the monolith, uh, let's just not, the monolith media, you know, the, the, the ESPN, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's so, you know, the, the, do you remember the NFL, the NFL campaign this year, the script writing, that really Mm -hmm. funny series of commercials. They're so funny because it was so ridiculous. That's why it worked. Cause it's just like, what ridiculous thing can happen in the NFL next? The NBA really does feel like a shittily written script thrown out during the writer's strike. I mean, the story today about, well, the Warriors made a pitch for LeBron, and it's like, can we not talk about this 40-year-old man who's going to play on the 10th seed again? And it's not that I hate him, but it's like it's all downstream from there because everything becomes about him and his trade desires which then turn into every other national or uh, a superstar level player of where's he going to go next. And that's what frustrates us because, you know, Luka Doncic, his next contract could be worth nearly $400 (laughs) with the Mavericks. The next person who tells me that Luka is going to leave a 10th of a billion dollars to go play for another team. I, just miss me with that. And so this, this whole conversation fires everybody up because what we would like to hear about 
and you know the what i've been told about this seriously because i know people that work in like the numbers of the tv shows and that sort of stuff it just doesn't draw numbers when you actually talk yeah. about basketball but That's then problem. but but then now listen to this all cities network adam mares tim tim legler their espn or their podcast has absolutely taken off the last three weeks. I know because Adam is my is one of my personal friends and has been sharing with me their numbers. They're kind of incredible. Um, the Dunker Spot podcast with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones. You know, I'd be very interested to see what their numbers are because they dip into a lot of WNBA, but they talk real basketball. People that talk about the basketball that's being played, there is a market for it. I understand that there's a market for clickbait. My God, I go on Facebook and some of the dumb shit that I get thrown my way. I like it makes it makes the you know, when we used to get mad at Dalton for some of the things that he would put out into the universe, some of the insane stuff that's on there, like there's just the market for it. You're probably right, but I still feel the need to address it from time to time because I think it can be different. You know, the fact that, that Tim Bontemps, who is uh, honestly, Tim is a friend of mine. Nobody, you know, people, some of y'all might not believe that. That's fine. Tim is a friend of mine. I talk Kirk is him. an NBA shadow broker. I know, talk to like, it, it's just a thing. I talk yeah. to everyone. Um, I don't know how that happened, but it's, it's a weird thing. Summer league, baby. <laughs> well, summer league. And then yeah. frankly, just like reaching out. My, yeah. my favorite was we used to have this one guy who worked with us for like six weeks and he kept reaching out to all these like high level NBA reporters and being like, I'm so-and-so with Mavs Moneyball, you know, Kirk Henderson's site. I'm like, Oh no, don't ever do that again. And then we let the guy go. Uh, <laughs> but this is like a long way of saying that, like, I still get frustrated. You know, Bon Temps talked to yesterday or today on the, the hoop collective podcast about how the MVP is a narrative award. That is so fucking stupid. It shouldn't be a narrative award. It should be about the basketball. Now, by and large, that usually wins out. That's why Embiid last year closed the season strong. There's a basketball argument for him winning the MVP. I'm not, you know, he just did. He closed out stronger than Jokic. I don't really like the, I don't like the results, but that's the way it is. With Luka Doncic, when I see like that straw poll, there's Jokic, there, um, Luka, I think was fourth overall between like the 200 people that he polled. There was, uh, I want to say it was Jokic. It was Giannis, uh, Shea Gillis, Alexander, Giannis, then Luca. And I get the argument for all three guys above him. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about last is something, well, I guess there's a few things I want to talk about last. I'm enjoying talking to you about this. Sorry, we're kind of getting all over the place. Earlier (laughs) in the show, uh, my friend Harold said the Mavs are going to be a top four seed by season's end. I held on to this the whole thing because I think it's worth pivoting to. Luca can't be the MVP unless he's a top top four, top three guy. And getting to the top four seed is going to be an absolute insane mountain to climb. The Mavericks have won six in a row and are still in the eighth seed. <laughs> no, there's seven now. There's seven. Uh, there's seven. Uh, I'm looking at it. No, okay, point? they're seventh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're not going to climb into sixth tonight because the, no. sun, the 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 Phoenix Suns are going to win, and they've just they've had very they they moved up one spot in in right. the course of a six game streak. So it's really difficult for for that sort of thing to happen. Even though I see the vision, because you look at the rest of the Mavericks uh, schedule and you're like, okay, if they don't let up off the gas, they could really really push it. And so these things all tie in together. And I wanted to kind of talk to you and see what your feelings are. Because this this streak, you know, the Mavericks were as recently as like they never fell to five hundred. Thank goodness. But as recently as what was it? They were twenty five. Yeah, they're twenty six and twenty three after the loss to the Bucks. They were three games above five hundred. Now they are nine nine games above five hundred because they've won six in a row. And so it's like, how far do we really think they can streak? How far do we really think they can climb? And do we actually think they're going to climb there? <laughs> I don't know. Because if you look at the West standings, this is outrageous. The top 10 teams in the West, of the top 10, mm-hmm. nine of them are either seven and three or six and four in their last 10 games. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Oh, and the other team that, that isn't is five and five. So no team in the top 10 in the West has a losing record over the last 10 games. 
That is outrageous. And circles back to my point about how these all these crappy teams that are at the bottom, like all these teams just keep rotating. Oh, oh, they're playing San Antonio now. Oh, now they're playing Detroit. Like they keep getting these wins. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny. It's like inflating the win total because the bottom three of each conference is just such dog water. Yeah. That there's just not, there's just so much congestion at the top of the standings because everyone keeps picking up these wins. Um, so yeah, that's going to be, I mean, it's going to be tough. Look, they're four and a half games back a fourth and that's Denver, like the reigning NBA champions who, when they kind of stop playing with their food, still look like the best team in the NBA. Uh, the top four teams in the West are all winning at a rate of like 56 wins or better. Um, like, do you think the Mavericks are going to get to 56, 57, 58 wins? Uh, I don't know. Uh, of course, you know, maybe those top, some team in the, in the top four falls back. There's going to be injuries. We don't know. But those teams, those top four have been, except for the Clippers during the, the hard, the first like seven Harden games, yep. they have been outrageously consistent. Like mm-hmm. uh, they haven't had a lot of slumps. So it's not really against the Mavericks if they don't get to top four this season. I just think this is a pretty outrageous season. I don't know if that should be held against Luca, but I really do think that these win totals are getting inflated by these crappy teams. And it's just hard because historically, you know, there are some outliers. Jokic was on a 48 win, six seed Nuggets when he won his first MVP. Uh, Westbrook was on a six seed as well when he won his. Um, but he only got it because he, you know, yeah, he was averaged the first triple double since Oscar Robinson. So uh, they have to have, you know, and Jokic was outrageous his first season. He won MVP. Like he was just so much better than every other player that that season. It's just uh, otherwise, like MVP almost always goes to a team top four in either the West or the East. Well, so and, and someone it, in the it's comments, nothing against yeah. Luca. It's just this is a hard year. This is a really hard year. Well, and 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 something happened. You know, Westbrook obviously won it not being a top seed. Jokic won it not being a top seed. The time for that is gone. Like that's just that that comes that's when Bond Temps is. Those were unique. Those were unique seasons. They're unique seasons, unique kind of first time things. And frankly, it just feels like that it's gonna be another 10 years until something like that is justifiable. And so I I'm you know, I I I I see the argument for me, and I think for everybody else particularly in the chat and, and the listens on the show, you want to see the Mavericks advance in the playoffs, but you also want to see Luca kind of get rewarded. And that's where for me right now, Luca is building a resume and, and Ben in the chat said, I think I could see Luca winning MVP next year. If he continues to build on what he's yeah. doing right now, closes the season hard. Cause I mean like that's, and you know, presumably was, the team's also better. You know, like the there's an argument to be made that Luca or that that Dirk Nowitzki's 2007 MVP when the Mavs went went 67 and 15, his numbers were no different than the year before. It's just that the voters didn't know what to do with it. Like Kobe kind of was probably MVP that season, but I also thought Dirk should have won it in 2006. And and sometimes these things just happen a year later. It's it is very narrative driven. It drives me a little bit crazy. Um, I, I think it's okay for in terms of Luca being hungry. I'm very interested in that. Um, and, and I think he is like these guys look reinvigorated. They're going to go on a, you know, a short break here. You know, Luca's got to go to um, all-star weekend up in the wonderful city of Indianapolis. Um, and then he'll fly to, to wherever he and his family go on a very short vacation though. Um, Luca, I've got to tell you vacationing with an infant, even as a rich person sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just have to like there's no like 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 having a a tiny being to take care of is challenging regardless of social status um kings won against denver that's interesting okay um you know so i don't want to like read my own article um but i am going to read this section uh i wrote this after the bucks lost three games above 500 26 and 23 i said you know, at some point, the constant whinging about any given thing happening in a Mavericks game by someone associated with the team is starting to get to be too much. Whether it's an exasperated Luka Doncic at a given non-call, Mark Cuban screaming at the rest from his place on the bench, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Grant Williams barking above their stations, or the television announce crew vocalizing their frustration with the refereeing. It's becoming an epidemic. 
Of course, the only guy who doesn't get in the mix is the coach, is Jason Kidd, as he shares his disdain for what's been going on post-game and does so like a bystander who couldn't possibly affect the outcome. This team is frustrated, and so are the fans. Losses feel worse right now because this team clearly has something, but due to injuries and bad luck, it's starting to feel like we might never see what that is. But the only way out of some things is through them. The NBA season is relentless, and the Mavericks need to look in the mirror, pull themselves together, and close out the schedule strong before the the All-Star break. Boy, howdy. Six game win streak, pretty She's fucking accomplished. Awesome. Take a bow. It's well, all, I'm, I'm all, just, week, all because of you. You did it. But it's the it's delightful to see them not like buckle down. I mean, like I think if we had a real criticism about this season, it was just woeful inconsistency. Right, they just couldn't string together anything, <laughs> and they've really strung together. And granted, that's come with slowly improving health. Right. You know, those things are related. We talked about all that. I mean, I I. Again, it is so weird. I can't, I can't possibly. Yeah, the David's making fun of me for reading my own writing. You're right about that. It is weird, but I just I wanted to go back because I mean, as recently as two weeks ago, I felt terrible about this team, just perfectly honestly. And it's really nice to feel good about this team. I mean, by and large, this season, I have been positive about the Mavericks, and that is simply not my default. My pos- like like my place is the 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 skeptic. And I am really looking forward to seeing how this this season closes out. Like this is, you know, we've been doing this together. You've been writing the site for 12, 13 years. Yeah, summer I've, of twenty eleven. I've been writing at the site for since twenty thirteen. So twenty, so eleven years. We've been doing the podcast together more or less. You've been doing it longer than me. She started the own thing. We've been doing this since twenty seventeen ish. Yeah. yeah. We really didn't start in earnest with the game recap stuff until like 2019. We were on and off. This season, thus far for me, is the second most fun one I've had doing all this stuff other than the run to the conference finals. I mean, this has been nice. And I, I just, I hope they keep it up. Yeah. I mean, dude, they won 38 games last season. <laughs> like, yeah. this is, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was, my season prediction was 45 wins and, and maybe the fifth or sixth seed. So, like, Anything past that or anything matching that is is absolutely gravy. Um, so and there's a rejuvenation with. I mean, the trade deadline. There's a renewed sense of purpose and energy. We've uh-huh. seen it. You commented on not just the team but the fan base. Like, I know that it coincides with the Super Bowl and football season ending, and and, and football fans and and Cowboys fans and other things are like, oh, let's watch something else because there's no more football to watch. Uh-huh. Uh, but also like. People, I think the new faces are like, oh, like this is different. Like this is a different Mavs team than the one I am used to. Like this team has a different disposition about it in terms of athleticism and talent and size that really we haven't seen a Mavs team this young, this athletic while still winning games. Man, since when? When was the last time a Mavericks team had this many plus athletes on the floor? Never. Uh, We talked like that was the discussion in the, in the, in the Mavs party. Yeah. The I don't like ever period like Sean Marion <laughs> was an incredible incredible athlete they've had Brandon Wright they've had uh uh Green um what was his name uh, Gerald the dunk Green. contest yeah Gerald Green they've had some super incredible athletes but never more than one at a time <laughs> yeah now they got Washington Lively Gafford Josh Green like there's four like really bouncy ultra athletic mm-hmm. players that get up and down the floor They've just never had that before. So, and it's something that the team has wanted forever. Like when's the last time they've had a big man rotation lively in Gafford? It's, it's legitimately either, you know, it's probably 2011 when they had Tyson Chandler and Brendan Haywood. Like it's just been a long time since this team has had some stuff uh, that's gotten people truly excited outside of, you know, of course, Lucas basketball has also played differently. Like that's the other part. Like it was was a mid range game as recently as, you know, 12 years ago. So I think a lot of people are seeing what they've built and we don't know if it's going to totally work or not, but I think people are excited for this kind of newness. That is the direction of the team right now. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. Well, we've talked too much, but I enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm going to do a post game show. Maybe I'll do one here in a couple of days. If I do, I will post about it, you know, just say maybe we have a live show where you guys come talk with me. Um, uh, you know what? Just one last thing. Shout out Jaden Hardy for another good game. 
he did have a good game. He also pump faked Wemby in the corner, got him off his feet, went and drove to the basket and laid it in. Probably one of the best moves he's made all year. Um, it's really amazing. To he's be been really candid. good the last like he's been years. really good. Yeah, him and Josh Green, guys that I've wanted to exile, and uh, you know, looking good, love it. Couldn't be couldn't be happier to be wrong. Um, yeah. So anyway. I don't know, you know, I have to go on a work trip, which is rare for me, uh, right after All-Star break. So we'll see sort of what shows, if any, we put up. I've sent some feelers out to different people that I'm friends with around the league, see if they want to talk Mavs. But I'm getting kind of the the sense from a lot of, of media folk, they kind of treat the All-Star break the same way the players do, which is let's decompress before a stretch run. And I get it, you know. Yeah, for sure. We'll see where it lies. Maybe we get together before you go on work and just see what's going on. Probably, yeah. you know, I'm see what Luca looks like in an All Star game this year. I wonder if it changes. That's yeah, my, I, think I'm right, that's, I think I'm right about that. I, yeah. I've really been thinking about it because it's like it matters to me, and a lot of people are going to hate this take. But I think if fans go out of their way to vote for you, it's not just an award; it's an act, and you kind of you don't need to go play your ass off, but you do need to try a little bit. And like last year's in Utah was. Just it was really frustrating. Like I tune in to watch my favorite player play against and with some of the best players in the world. And if you don't want to be there, don't go. I, I don't know. I feel very like I feel very old man. Like I feel <laughs> like okay. my like my dad called me the day after the Super Bowl and he was like really pissed at Travis Kelsey. So it's like maybe that's how I sound. Where it's like it's like all right, can we just settle down, everyone? Um, maybe I'm wrong. That's that's always possible. Okay. All right. Well, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe of Pod Maverick and Mavs Moneyball. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we will talk with you guys later. Go forth and enjoy the rest of your week. Go Mavs. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.